Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. Friends, thank you so much um, for gathering and joining for this sermon series, and I hope that it doesn't There's a lot of you here today, so I'm hoping the idea doesn't annoy you too much. I hope it's at least an interesting idea. It is something I've wanted to do forever because music, and Jenny will tell you this, music is so much a part of my life. Some people can trace their, can trace, you know, their lives through family or through artwork or through pictures. I can give you a soundtrack of my life and tell you exactly where I was. I just, music resonates with me. And so for years, since I started pastoral ministry in 2006, I have wanted to do this series, and I'm really grateful that you all are giving me a couple of weeks to try this out, or at least this week. I hope you all hope, hopefully come back next week. But I want to assure you as we introduce this series that I'm really not trying to be cute or relevant or to do something to attract attention for the church. Because friends, the arts are about trying to make sense of the world around us. That's what the arts are for. Painting, literature, poetry, and yes, music is about finding meaning. Science And I guess you know that I have a science degree, so I value and love science very, very much. Science gives us data and facts, but it doesn't give us meaning. The arts do that. Indeed, even the act of good preaching, to the extent that any of us are able to be good preachers, is in itself artistic. It's not a lecture. It's not just a set of facts or just talking at you. Hopefully, good sermons have some artistry and they make some meaning. Hopefully, in some way, they speak to the soul. And as content for preaching, we use the Bible, which, friends, I hope this doesn't offend too many of us when I say it is in and of itself a piece of art. It is a piece of literature that it was developed over thousands of years and is handed down to us. And so even at the very core of our faith, we find the arts, which are there to help us make meaning. Indeed, even the place where we gather is itself a place of art, is it not? And we gather here to make meaning. So it would seem reasonable that we try and make meaning, we try to find something that speaks to the soul through the arts that already exist and which already have so much meaning for us. I'm sure you have your favorite songs. I'm sure that there are times where you could say, this song meant this to me in my life. And hopefully I hear those stories out of you as we go over, as we go through this the next couple of weeks. And some of you have already started saying online and elsewhere some of the songs that really mean something to you in your spirit. And in this way, friends, church, we are called to be expositors or meaning makers out of our culture, to help our culture make meaning and purpose. So this series is about saying that even outside the walls, God is present and God is speaking through people that don't gather here and maybe now don't even share our faith, but God is present and active and moving in the culture that is around us. And this series is about saying, I hear something of our faith in those words, in that tune. In this way, I'm very, very serious about this sermon series. I really do want it to speak. And in fact, maybe there, we would be significantly more relevant if we stopped this idea of trying to get God to show up in people's lives and started help seeing that God is already in people's lives, often through the arts, to us before we show up to God. 
And I'm not going to hide. I really hope that you enjoy this, that maybe this is something we can come back to with some regularity. Because I'm going to do three, maybe four weeks, if, if you let me. I'm going to let you vote on the fourth week. All right, if this is going bad, let's just cut it and we'll move on. But if it's going well, I do have a fourth one I'd like to do. But hopefully you enjoy this, and it's fun, but also makes meaning for you. And so our song for today, okay, I wanted to go way back, something that maybe is already a little familiar to you. Today we are going to country, which is where I never thought I would start this because I'm not a country guy. Okay, it doesn't mean I don't have appreciation for it, it's just not my jam. I'm more bluegrass. I'm looking at Alan going, that, if, if you're going if, if to go that route, I'm more bluegrass than country. But we're going to start in country with Johnny Cash's Man in Black. And so here's the way this is going to go down. Um, unfortunately, we can't stream this out over Facebook because that'll get Facebook all bent out of shape at us. So we're going to play a video here in the sanctuary. Our online audience is going to, we're going to shut down the audio and the video, but not stop the feed. The link to the video we're going to show here should be in the chat. Vicky should be handling that. All you need to do is click on that. It should bring you right to the YouTube link, and you can watch it wherever you are as we are watching it here. When you are done, please come on back to the feed. Josh will raise the feed back up, and we will continue from there. And so friends, Johnny Cash's Man in Black. So in an interview that I listened to as Cash talked about this song when it came out, he said that country music is soul music. He said it's part of, part of the music of America alongside of jazz and soul. And it was a really interesting um, interview because he was doing it with James Brown, who is one of, the, you know, one of the icons of soul music. And so the two of them together are quite a pair, but a very interesting interview to listen to. And I'll post it later for those of you who want to go back and look at that. But what they both said is that all great, authentically American music, and remember, Americans have borrowed a lot of music from a lot of places, but all authentically American music is rooted in the experience of pain. Jazz and soul come from the experience of slavery. Country music comes from a westward move. It comes from poverty. It comes from those places. And indeed, it was interesting. I listened to a podcast by Malcolm Gladwell, who used to write for The New Yorker. You might have heard of Gladwell from time to time. He does a podcast series called Revisionist History. And he did one on why does country music make us cry so much? Why does it evoke emotion that other music does not? And he said that country music does this. He says, we cry when melancholy collides with specificity. We cry when melancholy, that experience of pain, that heavy heart, collides with specificity. And he says, country music is beautiful because at its best, it is very, very specific. Think about your favorite country tunes or even the jokes we tell about country music. It's my dog died or that girl or this land or that moment. Good country music always takes us to a very specific person or a very specific place or memory. It describes that pain. It makes it clear and unavoidable. And that is what hits us so hard. Rock music... We'll do a little bit of this later, but rock music wants to kind of live above it all. Country music wants to live in the dirt, and that's where its power is. Man in Black comes to us in that milieu. Cash wrote this song in 1971, and if there is a word for 1971, it, you can choose your own words. Many of you were there, I was not, but my hunch is a good word might be tumult. A tumultuous time in our nation's history, and what we have here is a song from a very tumultuous man. 
No doubt you know well his struggles with addiction and depression, his deep struggles, which I need not to expound to you today, and indeed even his wild swings and his vast journey from his signature kind of outlaw mentality, which was captured in Folsom Prison, all the way to this rediscovered Christian faith that he talks about. And he discovered that, and you want to talk about tumult, 1968. Cash is a man seeking God in a world on fire. But it was precisely because he was practicing the art of suffering in his life and the country around him that he became one of our greatest country musicians. He could speak to the pain of his time with specificity, particularity, yes, even poetry. It's what makes him so great. He does exactly what Malcolm Gladwell says. He speaks very, very specifically. And in this, he works as a prophet. Now, here's the thing about prophets. Prophets, we often think of, you know, are fortune tellers, people who tell the future. No, not particularly. What prophets do in a biblical sense is they make clear what is hidden or ignored. Prophets make clear what is hidden or ignored. Prophets tell us Often annoyingly so, they remind us of what we don't want to or aren't able to see. And they often do it in a way that draws attention, ways that are absurd or extreme, to the point where we often say of prophets, I get your message, but you're doing it in the wrong way. You're going about it the wrong way. But the reason that this is sort of extremism around prophets is necessary because this stuff is hidden. And unless there is a, sort of an extreme element to it, it'll go without a hearing. So think about the biblical prophets for a second. One of my favorites, Amos. Amos, who is a nobody in the land of Israel goes out and starts screaming at the top of his lungs that while his country was at its highest economic production and political power, he kept saying, the foundation, y'all, is rotten. And this little, annoying little shepherd from Tekoa won't quit crowing about it. John the Baptist went all the way to losing his head. We read about the prophet Hosea who was called to marry a prostitute, a woman who, was, who had every intention of being unfaithful to him, the prostitute Gomer. This big show of how Israel had been unfaithful as well. Jeremiah, which we read today and we also read in the book of Lamentations, can't quit crying. He's just crying all the time, sackcloth, ashes. Jeremiah is the patron saint of that. The prophets were people who were seeking God in a world on fire. And it is the personal pain of the prophet that makes them unafraid to expose pain because they're just done being hurt. They're just done seeing the decay. And so he said, you know what? I don't care what you do to me. I'm just going to tell you the truth. It is performance art in service of the suffering. This is what Cash does so well. You wonder why I always dress in black he says, he's, he's very honest with you. He says, I'm up here doing performance art. He says, I wear the black for the poor and beaten down, living in the hopeless, hungry side of town. And Cash, throughout his lyrics, and we're not going to break down every one of his lyrics. You can go back and spend, spend a week with Johnny Cash. That's a wonderfully American thing to do. If you don't love Johnny Cash, I got to wonder a little bit. So, but Cash, as the good prophets do, speak from the point of view of the less powerful. But he's not just pointing out pain like, oh, gee, that's a terrible thing over there. He's not, this is not pain voyeurism. We don't need the arts for pain voyeurism. 
What he's doing subtly and subversively is that saying, alongside of that pain, there's something going on deeper than that. It says, for the poor who are beaten down suggests that there's someone else doing the beating. When he says people come from the hungry side of town, what he's suggesting is that there is another side of town which isn't as hungry. Well, why is that? He talks about those who have, been, who have done their time in prison, done their time in prison, but are still in prison because they're a victim of the time. Well, why are they still in prison if they've, done their, if, if they've paid their dues to society? He speaks of those who have died in war. Again, and you know well, he's speaking very specifically of Vietnam at this point. But underneath of it, you hear this call, well, who's waging the war? And notice well, he doesn't say, fix all this. He's not waving his wand saying, you got to go make all this right. No, all he's asking us to do, and all the prophets ask us to do, are see this. See it. The prophets call us to see, pay attention, keep noticing. And in this critique, he sounds just like Jeremiah. Jeremiah is frustrated out of his mind when he says, hear this, O foolish and senseless people. Do not see. Who have ears, but do not hear. He's like, how can you miss this? How can we who serve the Most High, who brought the people of Israel out of slavery, how can we who serve that God, the liberating God, not see the pain of our brothers and sisters? This is where the prophets become messengers for God, forcing us to see what we've decided to ignore. The broken, and what they're suggesting is that the brokenness in the world isn't just some kind of accident. He says it's often the result of decisions that we make. Sometimes we make them without knowing, but we live in a world that makes decisions that create pain for others. Jeremiah criticizes Israel harshly when he says they do not seek justice. They do not promote the case of the fatherless. They do not defend the just cause of the poor. It's not just that Israel's in a bad time. He says, you've made choices that are not just. And while the prophets have no time for those who perpetuate injustice, they are just as scathing towards those who refuse to notice that anything is wrong at all. Now you might say, what does this have to do with Jesus? Give us some gospel, pastor. And so I will ask you, is there anyone more dedicated in our scriptures to, forgive me the phrase for Jesus, but performance art? Someone so dedicated to the poor and downtrodden. Jesus is the prophet par excellence. One might even say Jesus was the first country singer. The one who was, was equal with God and yet did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but became a human. You want to talk about lowering oneself. You want to talk about stepping into the pain of our brothers and sisters. The one who went all the way to the cross in solidarity with the poor and broken. The one who was crucified at the hands of religious and political power who wanted to silence his message. The cross is as much a message of exposure about the truth of the world as it is a message of we're all getting to heaven one day. And it was this prophet, the prophet Jesus, who said to us, whatever you did to the least of these, my brethren, you did unto me. And isn't it interesting in this story that we read that the people on both the right and the left come saying, well, when did we see you hungry? When did we see? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you in prison? When did we see you naked? When did we see you sick? 
The question at the heart of our gospel reading today is our ability to see. Because we don't always see. And Jesus makes it clear, when you see the poor, you see me. The psalmist said, Blessed are those who consider the poor. The Lord delivers them in the day of trouble. Now, sometimes we, we hear that and say, all right, who is, Lord, who is the Lord delivering? The Lord delivers the one who considers the poor. But that's not how this reads. The Lord delivers the poor in the day of trouble. That's what God does. And when we consider the poor, when we see them, we are finally seeing Jesus. The psalmist himself, one of the poor and outcasts, believe that God is on the side of the poor. And if we are in proximity to the poor, then we get to participate in that deliverance. To the extent that we are willing to come up alongside the pain of others, it is there that we will find Jesus. Man in black isn't a call to some kind of radical activism. It merely cries out for us in beautiful words and that haunting train music of caches to simply see the poor. If we could just see, if we would just see each other, what a step that would be. If we could just for a minute hear what people are telling us and quit trying to adjust it according to our political realities or, or whatever and just hear what people have to say to us, what a step we would make in the, in the direction of Jesus. My friends, the church has a prophetic task in the world. It's to challenge ourselves to see by instinct what we don't want to see. To hear what by instinct we don't really want to hear. To acknowledge that and then to use whatever power and influence the church has left to stand unequivocally on the side of the poor and force the world to see them. And so in a way, even our faith is also performance art. To stand in the dirt and in the pain and say to those who are there, salvation's on its way. Jesus went to the cross because he knew there was resurrection coming and that is the gospel. Cash wants to see the gospel. He says, I know we can't make everything right. He's no idealist. But he said, there's coming a day when we can start to make things right. And on, he said, I'd love to say everything's rainbows, but it's not yet. But I think in the back of his mind, what he's reminding us is there is a day that is coming when he will put on the rainbow suit. It'll look funny on Cash, there's no doubt about it. But there's a day he's going to put on that rainbow suit because there'll be a day when we realize there is enough for all. So when we hear the stories, we hear the stories of those around us. The prophets invite us not to recoil. Cash and the prophets invite us to lean into those stories, to listen carefully, to ask the deeper questions about how we got here in the first place, to see. And when we do that, we'll find Jesus there. 